Lord, I do pray that you'd open your word. And Lord, as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, um, Lord, let this not be, Lord, I know how religion is. It's a striving after things to try to make God happy. Lord, I know that uh, true Christianity is not that. It's, it's what you've done for us and how you want to bless us and change us and how you so loved the world that you gave your one and only son, that you wanted to forgive and redeem and restore your people. Lord, as we look at the fruit of you in our lives, I pray that you'd increase it. Um, as we talk about this last of the nine, at the end of the series, Lord, the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, self-control. Uh, I pray that it wouldn't be a downer. Um, I pray that you would um, show us that it's your power, your, your spirit that's going to give us self-control. Sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. You will teach us to con- so that we can have some control in our lives to do and to know what is right, what you've called us and created us to be. Thank you for that soundtrack too, Lord. We have there in the front row. (laughs) And Lord, I just pray that you bless the people too. You love your people. And uh, bless them and give them open hearts in Jesus' name. Do I hear an amen? Amen. 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 Can you say with me, self-control? This is probably not the sermon that you're striving to get, right? Yeah, who, I, wouldn't you rather I was preaching on the sermon, the five ways to be totally blessed with no hassles for the rest of your life, <laughs> right? That's a great sermon. And, 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 you know, and, and I'm a person who struggled with self-control my whole life. I've always had eating problems, you know, when I was younger and all the way through, I've had lust problems or, uh, you know, looking at the wrong thing at the wrong time. Um, uh, you know, I've had uh, laziness problems. I've had um, you know, overwork problems, problems where I wasn't able to control myself. And thank God for the Lord. Amen? He's brought infer- in- internal transformation. I've had anger problems, you know, where I've been raging and just, I couldn't stop myself, it seemed like. No control over myself. And I, I want you to kind of see sort of the context of this. If you look, you think, and we're going to talk about self-control, that it's, you're going, man, Christians just do not know how to have any fun. You know what I mean? God's a total killjoy. This is just going to be another list of don't do this and don't do that. And, and I promise you, it's not going to be that. God, God not only has restraint, which is part of what the Holy Spirit does with self-control, but it's also an activation. What does he want us to focus on? It's like when you have a little kid, sometimes you, know, you see a little kid and you're telling him, I don't want you to touch this. And some parents are like that. They're in that mode of no all the time. You know, no, don't touch that. Uh, no, don't go over there. No, no, no. Don't. But, but the reason is, is because there's more life everywhere else in the house. And once that kid really understands that this no isn't a restriction for his whole life, he understands that the room and the house is full of yes. And I think sometimes we give God a bad name. And I know the Pharisees did. They gave God a bad name by making everything about rules and regulations. And aren't you glad that instead of just rules and regulations, we actually have the Spirit of God? Do I hear an amen out there? This is good news. And the gospel is good news. God is on our side. He really is on our side. So let's talk about this. And we probably have to get in the nature of self-control because it's not just the self-discipline that we see out in the world where someone like a Lance Armstrong or a, a person who's an athlete is trying to be really disciplined and I'm, I'm doing just the right thing and training and, you know, I totally take care of myself. I'm not talking about a human self-control. 
um, because we don't know what's driving or motivating those things. I'm talking about a Holy Spirit or a God-centered self-control, not just based on the categories of do's and don'ts, but on really the strength and the power um, and the peace and the freedom that comes with that. So Holy Spirit, self-control, switch to the next slide. Uh, keep, it, keep this in mind, I say, or not, and you'll see what I mean. I want you to understand that the Bible describes that there's two natures within us. One, it's, can you say with me, the sinful nature. It's not like God just looking at us and going, well, you're just evil. The, the sinful nature, imagine in the garden when God first made man, that he made man with a healthy spiritual appetite and desire. He knew God and he could be with God. And he also made him with a natural body desire. But it was governed by his spiritual relationship with God. He, he, he liked things and craved things, even his body did. And he wanted things and liked things. But it was governed by his spiritual connection with the Lord. Then when man sinned and rebelled, and we can say in our own sin and rebellion, there was a separation between God and man. And that spiritual connection, the Bible says, was separated. And that's why we need reconciliation. We have a soul, the Bible describes, soul, spirit, body. And the soul is our existence, who we are, our identifier. I am Eric. There's something about me that's always been Eric. My whole body's changed since I was a baby, but that Eric soul has stayed the same. I'm still alive. I'm still the same one looking out the eyes or sensing and perceiving through my senses. Eric uses the brain. Eric uses the senses. But he is alive. He is a soul. But the Bible says that without Christ, without the forgiveness and redemption of Christ, then I'm separated from him. And that when I receive Christ, God no longer holds this rebellion against me. And, the, and I get reconciled. Do I hear amen? And the Spirit of God now dwells in me, and I'm restored. Sometimes people use the terms born again. I'm born again of the Spirit. And the Spirit in me now is the Lord in me, God in me. And I also have this nature, this old nature of myself. And the Bible says it this way. He says, the sinful nature desires what is, can everyone just say contrary? It's contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is, can you say contrary? Contrary to the sinful nature, they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. In other words, there's part of your nature that says, I want to do this. And the spirit says, but this is what you ought to do. You should do this. The Bible says that they're an opposite. And when you try to imitate it, you say, well, I, I think I want godliness. Yeah, I want it. You're deceiving yourself. You're fooling yourself because it's not that you really want it. It's that there's another desire in it, and God will finally bring you to show you your sinful nature so that the Spirit can finally take control. And how many want the Holy Spirit to have control in your life? Okay, that word there, enkratos, is the word by means of power. That's the word. And so it's in a context. And go ahead and switch it to the next one. Let me tell you a few things that the Holy Spirit is not. Okay, he is not the human self-discipline or self-denial that I just mentioned. If you study um, really famous religious leaders like um, Martin Luther or George Whitfield or Wesley, John Wesley, all of them, before they found Christ, 
were people who were religious and they were really strong in, in um, abstention of, of abstaining from things. You know, harsh treatments of the body. Let's not do this. Let's control ourselves. They were part of those religious factions. I need so much discipline and that's how I'm going to please God. And all of them found Christ in their frustration of trying to perfect themselves this way. You know, Luther used to put himself in real frozen, cold places just to have a harsh treatment of his body so that he would get more disciplined. And one day it said that, you know, he turned to the book of Romans and he found Romans 5 and it says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And then he saw that in Ephesians. It's by grace we've been saved through faith. And he realized, I am saved. I don't have to save myself by this harsh treatment and discipline to get myself perfect. How many say amen? Amen. Wouldn't it be bad if you came to church today and I say, well, if you do these 10 things, then God will like you. Wouldn't that be a bummer? I mean, I never would have made it. I was smoking so much weed when I got saved. I don't know if I could have got straight without him. And, and it wasn't like the first thing the Lord did to me. He goes, get rid of the weed. You know what the Lord did? He started filling me with the spirit that was really like on the second or third day. It's like I looked at the joint and I said, I don't need you anymore. The spirit of God is enough. But I still had a beer in the other hand. So he kept talking. But I threw the weed down, you know what I mean? And then it's like, and it's like, it wasn't that the Lord, you know, just had a bitterness or an anger. God came to set me free. He, he came to freedom. And some, some of you may be raised in the church your whole life. You go, I don't drink or smoke. But it doesn't matter. God has other things. How many know God has pride and fear and, and doubt and maybe an inability to have relationship, deep relationships? Those are other things he wants to deliver us from. And we can't turn to this human answers. You know, and there's all kinds of books out there, celebration of discipline that totally rely on the self-will. This is not what the scriptures are written about. Uh, the books like Colossians and Galatians are written specifically to condemn this way of getting and growing in God. Colossians 2.8 starts this way, and this is how Paul's addressing their asceticism. See to it that no one takes you captive or makes you a spoil of war through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition. In other words, the way, it's man's ways and the basic principles of the world. Don't do this, don't do that, don't touch, don't handle this. Make sure that you do it the right way according to your tradition. Go to Barnes & Noble, get that book, read it, you know, do the five disciplines. He's saying that's not gonna work. Don't let someone captivate you. And the whole book of Galatians is written this way. And this is where we get the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience. It's all these good things. And so when we look at self-control, it's not on its own. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience. God has these amazing things. And when he finally says, you know, I don't want you, I want you to have self-control, I want you to go back in the book a little bit and see what he's talking about. I'm going to go back just to chapters 1, 2, and 3, just real briefly, a couple lines. Galatians 1, 16, 1, 6 says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by, can you say with me, the grace of Christ. You're turning to a different message, a different gospel. It's not a good news. It's not really a good news at all. 
He goes, you're, you're turning to something else rather than Christ. And, and then he says it again, Galatians 2.4, he goes, some false brothers have infiltrated your ranks. In other words, people started coming to the church and then they started joining groups and they wanted to see, what do you mean you have freedom? You're forgiven. What do you mean? These are the people that are forgiven. They get to go to church and they're forgiven. What's going on with that? How are they growing? That's not right. They were coming in and they were trying to put the yoke of slavery back onto them so that they'd be trapped again and burdened again with all the things they had to do to get right with God. And this is Paul talking here. And in Galatians 3, he says, um, he says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? Um, you know, you might see this as who has bewitched you in NIV. For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Can you say it with me? Of course not. Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. You didn't come when you heard the gospel and go, Lord, pretty amazing. I think this is a perfect container for your Holy Spirit. You're this holy, I'm real close. I see, I feel like there's a match here. How how many know that it's not like the Lord's condemning you because Jesus wasn't sent here to condemn the world, but to save the world. But he's looking at us and there is a disparity. So the consequence, our payment for this sinfulness, our iniquities needs to be paid. And so he died for us so that we can be free. And so there's not a match there. And he's saying, you didn't get the spirit because of that. You got the spirit because your faith in what Christ did for you. Do I hear an amen? Amen. This is where it is. He says, so you received the spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. And then listen to him. And I love Paul. He's so direct. And by the way, that word translated is stupid. I know he is foolish, but but if you look it up, look it up in your Greek lexicon. It's It's stupid. It's, it, I'm not going to say it that way because I'm nicer than that. But you know I'm thinking it. So in my heart, I'm not that nice. He's, he's basically going like, how foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives, and I, and I meet people like this all the time, they, they, they go, how did, you get, how did you come to Christ? And they go, I believed in the cross and God came into my life. How are you growing now? My self-determination. My commitments what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. He says, after starting your Christian lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? This is a strong condemnation. This is him coming in here and he goes, please don't do it. I'm not going to give you the whole text, but he's saying, did I really come to you just in your own vanity that you've you've lost connection with the body? You've lost connection with Christ? Let no one disqualify you, Colossians 2.18, in the next slide. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism, which is a harsh self-treatment, self-denial, self-discipline of harshness. It's not the one I'm talking about in Kratos, which is empowerment by God by means of his power to give me self-control that I can restrain or assert myself to live in the desires and the heart and the will of God, which is what self-control is. He said, this person is puffed up. 
He's got dreams of angels and he's puffed up without reason, a sensuous mind. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows. Can you say with me, as God causes it to grow? He's saying, you were, you were trying to do this asceticism, you know, which is this um, harsh temperance. And you're trying to do this on your own. You're trying to do this yourself. Instead of understanding that you're part of a body, you've got people around you that want to help you. You're struggling in something. Man, I can't get this right. You can get help. You can just go, man, it's real easy. I just, I need some help. I just need to make my life out there. You need to go, God, I need your help. I need your strength. You know, I see people struggle to try to get relationships right. They, they try to get so many things right when they just need to turn to the Lord. And the Lord, once you let him be the first in your life, he will direct and reorganize your life in an amazing way that'll blow your mind. Amen. I, I love watching Amy up here in tears because her life has been radically changed because of God. Radically changed. Have her share her, your, her testimony in detail. It has been radically changed, both of them. And, and, and all, we, I'm glad that they said the thank you, the pastor. And I'm glad to be a pawn and a vehicle of the Lord's blessings. But it is the king of kings who saw them and loved them and went after them. And you know what? He redeemed me also for their sake. So I can be a minister of reconciliation too. And so can you. Turn to someone and say, you're a minister of reconciliation. Listen, Colossians 2.20, listen to this. Since you died with Christ, Paul continues, to the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belonged it, do you submit to its rules? Don't, don't handle this. Don't t- touch this. Don't taste this. Don't touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they're based on human commands and teaching. Teaching. Such regulations. Listen, these regulations. Okay, come on in here. Make sure you don't do this. I, I meet people and they go, I just came to Christ, but I'm still struggling, man. I, I haven't, but I was on heroin for a while, but I stopped. But, you know, now I'm still smoking. Well, how dare you come into our church? We're the perfect ones in here. Except for me and Greg. <laughs> okay, and his family and the rest of you over here. How many know the church got imperfect the minute you stepped into it? Right? And it's not a location, by the way. How many know the church isn't this bunch of sheetrock and paint? Thank you, Lee Kelly. Okay? But it isn't this. It's the people. Right? And God came to the imperfect people because he wanted to save them because he wanted to. And he says, don't turn to these rules of do not touch and handle because they have an appearance of wisdom. It looks right. They have an appearance of wisdom, a wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and the harsh treatment of their body. Now listen to me. But they lack any value. Say it with me. But they what? They don't have any value. In other words, God says, yep, that's not going to work. Yeah, but I'm going to do it. You know, I, I came, I was a, I got drafted in the pros out of high school. I was a very disciplined athlete as far as always training. You tell, tell, talk to my mom uh, in the morning. 
I was always juggling the soccer ball. I could juggle thousands of times. I was disciplined, but my discipline was driven by all kinds of ungodly things. My discipline was not from the Lord. How many have have had that kind of discipline? Come on, you've seen it. It lacks any value in restraining any sensual indulgence. It's an indulgence that I don't need. God wants me, because you think about it, on one side, it looks like God's saying, no, don't do this. But on the other hand, God is saying, because I want you to live like this. How many know that God has a hope and a plan and a future for us? These are things that God prepared good works in advance for us to do. Okay? Philippians 4.13 summarizes it this way. I can do everything. Can everyone say through him? who gives me strength. He not might give me strength. He gives me strength. This is Paul. I can do everything. There's tons of stuff I can do. All his promises are yes and amen in Christ. And I can do everything in him. All right. One more thing that Holy Spirit control is not, then I'm going to conclude with the application. It's not God taking away our joys. I kind of mentioned it already, but let's look at the fruits of the spirit. Love. How many want love? Come on, is, is there anything higher than love that you might want in your life? Love. He's not saying no, no, no. He's saying, yes, love. You want love? Yeah. How about joy? Listen, it's not happy. Happy comes from, I heard that comedian, he was so funny, I can't believe it. Joy is from internal to external, right? It, happy comes from the Greek happenings. If this is internal joy, it's birthed inside. How many want real peace, right? Not a peace pipe, right? That's not going to last anyway. Your lungs are going to go bad. You just got to look on the, online, look at pot lungs. Patience, kindness, goodness. How many want some goodness in your life? God says, let my face shine upon you. Let my goodness be upon you all the days of your life. God's not taking your joys away. Jesus, I came to give you more life and more abundant life. Amen? The next slide, take delight in the Lord and he'll give you your heart's desires. God knows how he made you. You, times like this, I just want to explode. I'm serious. I am not kidding. I want to explode because I have experienced some of this goodness of the Lord. And I just think to myself, someone's just out there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going, you don't understand that one step there to the Lord. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. He'll blow your, he'll blow your mind. He'll change your heart's desires not to be a religious robot zealot, but to become you in him, filled with purpose and power and gifts and strengths and future and influence and legacy. You know, the the man who knows the Lord has an inheritance that he gives away. Look at us talking about Doug and who Doug Pillow is because he influenced us. He has a legacy all around this room, all around this state. I've talked to people and leaders who said, Doug, Doug's gone. I can't believe Doug's gone because he had an influence in their lives. How many say amen? And can I tell you, Doug was not a perfect man, was he? Right? He was an imperfect man. But he had the Lord and he had the cross. And that was, that was his message. Okay. The definition here, the best one 
self-control, the power to direct yourself, the power of the Holy Spirit to direct yourself or restrain yourself. This is in gratos, um, gratis, your heart and actions to the will of God for the glory of God. How many say amen? amen. All right. First one, self-control. I'm just going to go through a few of these. Some things I must restrain. Number one, we're just going to talk two things for self-control. Can you say it with me? Just say restrain. If I'm going to have power and I'm going to have um, the ability from the Holy Spirit and I'm going to have my own nature, the Holy Spirit is going to give me the ability to restrain the desires of my flesh. Okay? Amen? And so it's just like last week to talk about gentleness, that gentleness is not a giving all of your power all the time because you can or saying whatever you want, but that you're able to dial it back because you have control and then you're gentle. This one isn't external, it's internal, so that I can have control, so that I can have that power, kratos. I I want the power from the Lord. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, things that don't line up with the things that that God is doing in my life. I can say no to it. Here it comes, and I'm going, that's how I always go. That's the bad direction I always go. No. Amen? Amen. I, I can say to know it. And it's not that God wants me to be passionless or sexless. Thank God for marriage. How many know that God wants us to have passion in all kinds of things? But he does not want us to have worldly passions. The things that suck you down. This is like, I should be on the poster of this. That had been my life. You look up worldly passions, there's my face. Right? How many have your own face on that picture? Who's someone else that should have their picture? Just point at them. No, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. You know, and I've thought about this many times, but as I think about this, life would be so much better and I would be so much more successful if I had an undo button. Right? You go in there and you go, hey, hey, look at it. Oh, okay, good. I mean, I'd like to, how many would like to undo some words that you've spoken? You didn't have the self-control. How many would like to undo some food that you've eaten? And I'm not talking about bulimia where you throw it all up afterwards, right? I'm talking about you wish you hadn't eaten that. How, how, many, how many would like to undo some stuff you've watched, right? You, you watch stuff and you go, man, I should not have watched that. Just even while you're watching, you're feeling guilty. How many, how many would say that? Come on, raise your hand. That was the wimpiest confession. I'm serious. That was the wimpiest confession. Hi, go, man. I've watched stuff I shouldn't have watched. A little higher. A little higher. Okay, if you didn't raise your hands, go ahead and stand up. We want to clap for the holy ones. All glory and honor and wisdom belong to you. I, I tell you, I, I told first service this, services, I have some years that I would like to undo. And I have neglect of things, whether it be relationships or just responsibilities and things that I'd like to undo neglect that I, I wish I would have done more. How many know what I'm talking about? And, and this is part of it. 
oh Lord, give me control, self-control in my life that I cannot see things. And, you know, like, put the next slide on, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. He's totally exposed. The army could come in and rush in and take him down in a stronghold because he's got no walls. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules a spirit than he who takes a city because you can conquer the city, but if you can't take care of yourself, it's no good. Listen, I love this one. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control, right? <laughs> when I've had an anger problem, especially when I came, not, um, not so much anymore, but when I came to Christ, I had a really big anger problem and Jody would always give me that scripture. You know, it's kind of like, give you a look like full vent. I go, I know, that was dumb, you know? How many of you had to apologize over and over again because your anger was not under control? How many tried to do it with your own human self-control and got nowhere? Because when the Lord does it, he gets rid of all the brewing fire that's causing it. And he delivers you so that the anger, I've got some areas of anger that I don't even remember. And I'm almost done here. Um, this, the next one here is putting a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. Um, it's... Don't let anything master you. And then Proverbs 6, 9 is about sleep. You know, how long will you lie there sluggard, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands? Poverty will come on you like a bandit and a scarcity like an armed man. You know, you can't control yourself of when to wake up and when to go to bed. That's a hard one. And I like this one. I made a covenant with my eyes. You know, not to look lustfully at a girl, or you could say at a boy, and it doesn't matter what gender you are in these days, it, it works in all ways. It says, I'm not going to look that way. I'm going to, you know, and you, that may look like a big no. Like, yeah, you don't let your eyes go down. And then don't let your heart go there. And you know why? Because you think that's a big no. God's saying no, no, no. But no, he's saying yes, because you get to see women in a different way. Amen. You get to see them for who they are, you know? And if God has a different perspective, you know, wants you to marry, and he wants you to experience devotion because devotion is like him and you. That's what devotion is like. And that way we can look at women with no shame. We don't have to go look at that as we talk to women because you have a pure eyes. Amen? You make a covenant. I won't have you raise your hands. Train yourself to be godly for physical training is some value. So here we have restraint and then we have applying ourselves, okay? That you um, assert yourselves. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is some value. So we have a few things where we're pulling back, self-control, and then some things that we have to activate. We have to resolve to not let our mouth sin. We have to resolve to say, Lord, I make a covenant with my eyes. I want to train myself to be godly in your power. How many say amen to these things? Honest, honest to God, no, forget, forget your listening to sermon, just between you and God and I, just for a moment. How many really want to grow in self-control? Come on, raise your hand high, please, because I, I really think there's a stretching out to the Lord. Sometimes you go, yes, Lord, that's what I want. Amen. I hope we're a church that repents. And then let me close with this. I remind you, he's talking to young buck Timothy here. 
I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which produces, by the way, the fruits of the Spirit, which is in you. He goes, remember? He's going, Timothy, you're about to, you're becoming who you're supposed to be. You're going into the city. This is even for you guys planting the church. You're going in there. And guess what? I want you to remember. Remember when I was with you that I reached out. I was touching you. It was an intimate thing. I laid hands on you. Remember? It was was the gift of the God that was in you. It was the spirit within you. He said, God didn't give you, Timothy, a spirit of timidity. It wasn't there to bring fear into you. And that's what a human self-control. I'm afraid I'm going to die. I better take all the vitamins. I'm going to be really disciplined because you're living in fear. It's, it's a self-discipline not motivated by the Spirit of God. You know, I don't want to look lustfully. I want to make sure God likes me. No, it's a spirit of power. I want to see life like God would have me to see it. I want to see love like God would have me to see it. I want to see it. I want to experience sanctity and sanctification that, that I can see things with a pure heart and be a servant of, of men and women. And he says, he didn't give you a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit, can you say it with me, of power? Can you say it's a spirit, can you say, of love? And it's a spirit of, can you say it with me, of self-control? It's self-control, ingratos, by means of power, love, joy, peace, a patience, a long-suffering, a kindness, a goodness, a gentleness, faith, believing, trusting God, right? And then self-control, self-control, that we can control ourselves within this life to do what's right and that God could show us. And when we struggle, We can confess our sins and ask God to give us his power by the fruit of his spirit. Amen? Um, Why don't we have our base camp leaders come forward? And I'm going to close up with this. And Father, we thank you for your word, um, that it is truth. And I'm going to try to wrap up here quick because our kids' ministry, I've got to be sensitive to that time. I've, I've already asked you if you wanted to respond to the Spirit's power, but I want you to recognize something, and that's the restraining. Maybe God's asking you by your power of the Spirit. He's saying, this is something that you want restrained in your heart. You know, maybe it's one of the ones I mentioned. It could be a lust, a pride, a greed. Uh, maybe it's food, whatever it is. It's been a bondage in your life. I don't want you to get too general and say, oh, it's all kinds of things. I don't know. No, I bet you anything that the Lord is picking one thing. He's got one thing right there. And I want you to just to, to acknowledge it before the Lord. Say, Lord, I hear you. It's that one thing. And can you just like, kind of put it in your hand, just kind of lift it up to God and say, Lord, I need self-control in this area. I know it's symbolism. I know it's not really in your hand, but it's symbolic. You just lift it up to God and you say, Lord, this is the one thing. Could you work in this? Ask and it will be given to you. Ask and you will receive. He, he does, if we as worldly give, certainly he gives the spirit to whoever asks. And Lord, we ask for freedom. We ask for deliverance in these areas where our own selfishness, our own maybe even wickedness or evil or pride or maybe our pain has blinded us. 
would you deliver us in this area, not by our own new determination, but by your power. In Jesus' name. And with just with your eyes closed, and if maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ before, you've never experienced his forgiveness, the cross is a symbol of the forgiveness of God. He sent his son to die for you. That might seem strange. Why would he send someone to die? Because there is a consequence for our sin. It's called justice. Sin needs a consequence because it's right. That's why we have prisons and consequences. We see it all around us. The laws of cause and effect. Our sin had consequences. And Christ came in our stead to pay for those consequences. And maybe you're sick of religion. You don't need religion. It's not religion you need. It's God you need. I want to encourage you. If you want the forgiveness of God, you can acknowledge it right now. You can be forgiven this moment. And just just say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I am forgiven. And just look up at me and agree with me. The Bible says to acknowledge it before someone else. If that's you and you need that forgiveness of the Lord, just raise your hand, look up at me so I can agree with you. Amen. 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 I see you back there. Amen. Is that you? There. Amen. Amen. Right here. Raise it up so I can see you. Amen. Amen. Back there. Amen. Amen. And I see you back there as well. Amen. Amen. I see you back there. Anyone that I missed. Amen. I see you. Father, I thank you for these. And I pray that you pour out your spirit upon them. Holy Spirit, move upon them by your power. Move by the grace of God. Thank you for your redemption. Lord, that you take us, Lord, and you don't just see us and see us in our sin, but you love us. Lord, that you counted us valuable that you sent your son. And Lord, thank you for the cleansing of our sin that we're forgiven. And you who just received Christ, Christ paid for you. Will you just go to the Lord and just say, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Just acknowledge it. I am forgiven. I am redeemed by him. And and we have leaders in the center aisle here, our base camp leaders. When you start an adventure with God, at the bottom of that mountain as you're climbing an adventure, you go to that camp and you get maps and directions and you get allies who hook their gear up to your gear to say, hey, I'm going to help you. They're not those who lord over to you like in a religion, but what they do is they're servants. I encourage you to grab one of these base camp leaders as we close. Or if you're one who needed prayer, to come to them. And there's also a base camp room as you go out the door, the very last door on the right as you go out our church, you'll see the base camp room. Just go in there and say, I want to grow and want to be discipled. That's what that is. It's a place to grow, a coaching. We have coaching in everything in our world. You can get a personal trainer to get exercise. You probably have tanning booth coaches. Who knows? But can I tell you, why not get a coach to help you be successful in life? Amen? And Father, I thank you for these. Forgive me for being a poor, self-controlled time manager. Lord, bless the kids' ministry. And we look forward to everything you're doing this Christmas season, Lord, um, to equip us. And we bless you and bless um, everybody here in Jesus' name. Do I hear a loud amen? Amen.